This episode was sponsored by BedPow, a purpose-driven strategic design consultancy working with industry leaders to create innovative experiences and compelling digital solutions. Hello and welcome back to Users First. I'm your host, Alessio Fragudi, UX designer and podcast host. And today I'm joined by Brendan Comstock, Director of User Experience Strategy and Service Design at MedPow. And today our focus is on how you can make personas that work in agile environments for your company that adapt to the fast-paced market that we live in nowadays. Before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you to support my podcast and you can do that by subscribing to this show on the Apple podcast or on Spotify. You can join our Discord channel where we post job opportunities and and so much more. And you can also buy me a cup of coffee remotely if you want to support the streaming expenses. But going back to the episode, a little bit about Brandon. He's a brand-focused strategist and an AI uh, UX, UX designer. Brandon brings curiosity, innovation in agile environments and enables clients to see the bigger visions of things. And it is a pleasure to have you here, Brandon. Thanks so much for joining us remotely from Boston. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Exciting. Exciting times. Um, uh, I have a very good relationship with the uh, MedPow. It's a, it's a service design agency um, in, the, in the States. And they always have these mind-blowing designers that come my way, thankfully. Uh, other people like Brandon I had also on the podcast. And they're here always to share very insightful tips uh, with, uh, with, with all of us that have less experience and are really willing to listen. So, Brendan, uh, why don't you give us a quick rundown on what the benefits of having agile personas are? Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, at, at MadPal, um, you know, our focus is about, you know, doing work that's, that's good for people and good for business. And we take both of those things quite seriously. So. <clears throat> Uh, oftentimes when, you know, we encounter personas in my career, when I've encountered personas, sometimes uh, a client will have commissioned them ahead of time and, and we're supposed to work with them. You know, they, they, there's often, uh, they're often quite static and, and quite rigid, and they can therefore be quite difficult to work with. Um, you know, on one hand, uh, you know, static snapshot personas don't really fit into a world that's much more mm. dynamic and fluid. Um, you know, the world is not a static place. Uh, the world we live in is fluid. It's dynamic. It's ever changing. Um, you know, right. markets are fluid. Regulations are fluid. <clears throat> Consumer sentiment is fluid. Uh, our levels of awareness, engagement, and understanding around particular products and services or needs um, ebb and flow. So, uh, you know, these rigid personas, as we've typically come to know them, these like static snapshots, um, mm -hmm. they're not really reflective of the way that real humans think and feel and act. So that's one problem that we're trying to solve. And on the other hand, uh, there's the proliferation of all things digital, right? So, you know, digital is no longer a channel. It's like in the ether. And it's all around us, and it's constantly influencing our our behavior. Um, you know, the the winds of change in the world are constantly impacting our our behaviors around how we interact with brands, how we interact with with particular products. So even you know, thinking about COVID, uh, you know, our behaviors changed, literally changed almost overnight. 
Um, and if you, it's a, you know, it's a, obviously a timely example for folks, but if you think about, you know, trying to create a, seg a segment of personas, if you invested in creating these highly rigid segmented personas ahead of the pandemic, and then obviously everyone's consumption habits changed, mm -hmm. a lot of that would have to go out the window. So having a methodology for things that are more agile, more flexible, um, not only is more reflective of people in real life, but for you as a, as a business, it makes you more adaptable to change along with the changing uh, you know, realities of the world and the, and the people and the consumers within it. So it's a really important thing to, to try to understand, internalize, and put it into practice for you know, brands of all sorts. Right, and, and it makes absolutely sense because <clears throat> sometimes organizations might have some personas that the marketing department or the user experience department made a few years ago and they think that now that's, that's a persona that, is, that they can reutilize uh, for other products or for the same product in the, in the, in the following years and they think that the, you know, they did a great job in the past and now they're saving money because they're utilizing the same personas but, but eventually, no, you have to keep on adapting to the market. The market is changing. People's behaviors are constantly different. And yeah. how, how do we make personas that are more actionable and, and informative, uh, Brendan? Yeah, I think that's really key. The way you phrase that is that persona building should be thought of as an ongoing process, not an event. So like, you know, we've created our personas. Check, we're done. You know, that's, that's not the right way to think about it. Um, persona should not be thought of as wall art. <laughs> uh, they shouldn't, they, they're not a, they're not a, they're a means to an end. They're not a, a means unto themselves. So they need to be used um, in service of something. So, you know, the way that you, you get to, you know, the way to move beyond a static deliverable, uh, not only static, but oftentimes just downright stereotypical. That can be a whole other podcast, but I've definitely encountered some personas that were, you know, not only usable, but downright stereotypical. But in order to get to something that's more, um, more evolved and reflective of more real world behavior, it's a little bit counterintuitive, but one way to think about it, or a primary way to think about it is to, rather than thinking about establishing the differences between different market segments, right? <clears throat> Instead, put your energy into, uh, you know, understanding the unifying threads that unite consumers within their collective environment. Um, so if there's a prospective set of customers considering your products or, you know, if you're B2B businesses, you know, considering your services, chances are there's a common set of threads that unite them all within the broader decision-making journey. So what does that mean? So you might, you might look at your, at your prospects, your, your, your consumers, and think about, well, there's a series of behavioral attributes that maybe are a spectrum from low to high or extreme or not extreme. Um, you know, these may be like behaviors or they might be influencers or impediments. Um, you can think about through the lens of, like, of jobs to be done, which for anyone doing UX and, and persona building should really be always thinking about what is the actual desired outcome. You know, I might be selling the drill, but the consumer is really buying the ability to make a quarter inch hole in a wall to, to hang a photo. Um, you can also think about 
levels of immediacy? Do we have consumers that tend to need things right now or do they plan ahead? Um, level of expertise, do they know us well? Do they not know us well? Are they expert in this particular type of product or do they need to be brought along? Do they need to be educated? So you know, every brand, every opportunity is, is different. Um, but if you can establish these, these unifying threads, creating a persona is simply a matter of plotting different points on these threads. And so if you can establish these commonalities, what you've done is essentially determined, it's, it's given you a, a, a perspective of the entire decision-making you know, sandbox, if you will. This is the, this is the decision-making sandbox that our customers and prospects live in. And if I understand the rough edges of that sandbox and I understand some of the key threads that make that sandbox what it is, I'm then much more adept at being able to dial in a different marketing tactic, a different product uh, update idea, uh, a, a different service outlook based on what's happening in the world. If people's you know, tolerance, motivation, risk aversion, uh, disposable income, you know, if we're talking about healthcare, like the severity of an issue of a particular ailment, understanding that environment allows you to be much more, um, you know, meeting people where they are with what they need, but also remaining true to who you are as a brand. It's both macro and micro. Um, and it, it gives you a perspective to, to see what some of those moments of intervention are. So it's a little bit counterintuitive. Typically personas, it's like, you know, the, there's the green, the green persona, the purple persona, you know, the orange one, and they're different. And this is how they're different. Here, we're trying to understand the commonalities that bring everyone together. Right, right. I understand. And that, take, that takes a lot of thinking. <clears throat> that takes a lot of critical thinking now that I'm thinking about it. But um, it is a great. I can see the effectiveness and the and the and the product opportunities that can come up once you get with your team uh, to do these kind of things. Um, do you do you suggest this as an exercise for uh, product designers to do the, on their own, or should they do it together with with other departments? Well, research is certainly key because you know you may have a <clears throat> you may have an intuitive sense of what these particular threads are, but doing, doing research, um, if you have a, a, a research group at your disposal, or you can even do some sort of guerrilla, you know, bootstrap research, but, you know, doing a mix of, of maybe some quantitative to, to, to get some quant data for a survey or something like that. And then also engaging in some qualitative research to speak to, you know, to real customers, real, real prospects. Uh, is is really key, uh, but if you're within an organization with with different product owners, then you know absolutely. Uh, you know, if working with a you know with a the fashion brand, um, you know you may have a, a you know different product lines within that fashion brand, and those product lines solve different problems, so to speak, for different customer segments. So you do need to think about you know which Again, back to the top of this, the, you know, personas are not meant to be monolithic for an entire organization. So, you know, if you're in a, in, you're in B2B or B2C and you have different product lines or different divisions, 
in your essentialized UX team, you ought to be thinking about these personas through the lens of the different products. You want to you kind you want to kind of localize it as much as possible to make them as actionable for that particular business unit as possible. So it ought to be a collaborative endeavor. It's a team sport <laughs> working on personas internally and externally. So yeah, collaboration is key, and you know, doing research I would say is uh, you know imperative. Right, absolutely love what you said, and the reason why I asked you is because sometimes <clears throat> we might get into uh, solos. Sometimes we think that making a persona is just you know a static persona that you were talking about. Okay, I'm gonna get a nice, pretty template, uh, yeah, do's, yeah. don'ts, pains, and whatever. No, there is so much more to that. Just like Brandon mentioned, you know, there is more critical thinking, thinking from the from 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 the perspective of the of the customer, and you can do that with you know. Uh, with with the clients as well, if you're working in a design agency, so you um, <clears throat> you you can work with other departments too in order to to find those results, quantitative data, qualitative data. And I was wondering, Brendan, how do you um how do you keep these these personas flexible in a way that they can change over time? Like, yeah. if you know, there's gonna be changes that can be in in one year, in a couple of years, in five years. How do we make how do you make them reusable for other people? Sure. And flexible to use. Yeah. Yeah. So I I I'll I'll give you an example in just a second. But I just want to underline what you just said is that, you know, for for people getting into uh, you know, user experience or user experience research, that it 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 really is a, a collaborative endeavor. And you know, you, you want to always be looking for opportunities to collaborate with the product owners, the business unit owners, um, always evangelizing for research um, and, you know, not relying as much as possible on, on in, internal assumptions or, you know, trying to fight the good fight with the business leaders who believe that XYZ is the answer. You know, you need to be asking why and pushing for research and trying to validate those opinions. So I, I think that's really important for people to always be, uh, you know, UX is a place where you should be asking questions, right? And not just always. kind of following the status quo, you know, cause trouble, cause good trouble, as yeah, they say. That comes with confidence um, still comes with confidence yeah. once you start to gain you know your first couple of years into the field then you go like mm, okay now i yeah. get it now i can start uh, backing people and asking more questions exactly question the static status quo mm -hmm. um so i can give an example uh, of a, a project i worked on uh, a couple of years ago it was for a medical device company that had a, a product that was meant to uh you know help women dealing with uh, urinary incontinence issues. So, mm -hmm. you know, they were thinking about personas that were named as, you know, you might think about a typical persona, you know, the, the yoga mom, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the whole foods mom, whatever they had these, these personas that, you know, what kind of car do they drive? Where do they shop? Da, 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 da. Like all the stuff that, you know, and the perfectly, uh, you know, perfectly curated Getty image, right? Uh, stock photo of the person, right? Um, and so, you know, we kind of looked at that and said, okay, yeah, and let's dig a little deeper. So, uh, you know, we did some research. They had done a bunch of research. And in doing this, we had begun to see that the getting folks to, getting, getting women to, to, you know, potentially 
learn about this product and it, it required a prescription. So you had to kind of move through this journey to get to a prescription. But we saw that all of the, the women in this, all the prospect, the potential, you know, audience for this product, we, we, we could think about, um, you know, their, their age. We could think about the, the severity of their issue. We could think about what level of care are they currently under? Are they talking to no one about it? Are they talking to their PCP about it? Are they talking to a specialist? Uh, we could think about their level of tolerance. Like, it's just something I need to deal with as I get older. My mom did. I have to, too, is what it is. Or um, conversely, like motivation, like enough is enough. I need to do something about this. So in terms of change, we, we, we came up with these threads. And we could say, okay, for someone this age with this severity, uh, you know, what does it mean if a, if a person at this age and this severity is, has a high tolerance? What do we need to do to decrease their tolerance, right? How can we make them say enough is enough, you know? Or for people that are, um, you know, conversely, maybe have, a, uh, have already gotten a lower tolerance and are saying enough is enough, we need to be there to help, you know, to market like right away. So, but what we saw was that the younger, lower severity, uh, you know, higher tolerance, lower motivation, and then someone that was a little bit older, higher severity, you know, it, it was potentially the same woman, but five or 10 years later, right? And so the idea was to try to intervene and educate and introduce the, the potential benefits of the product to, you know, to the idea, if done well, was to, to keep people from getting to the point where it was too severe to do anything about it. And so you could essentially look at the, these like six or seven threads that we plotted, and you could, by moving the, by plotting different points on these threads, you could essentially, you know, look into the future and say, if we were to market to this person at 26 with these symptoms, we can slide some things over here and say, well, what would be different if they were 45 and had higher severity? It's the same people. It's just time changes. And so you can kind of model that. And another quick example would be in financial services with uh, talking to like a major credit card company at the outset of the pandemic. They had typically built their personas around, you know, generational segments. So baby boomers. Baby boomers' relationship to money is this. They spend like this. Their relationship to risk is this. Their relationship to debt, you know, the, they use credit cards for staples versus like more experiential purchases, right? And then, you know, millennials are like the opposite, essentially, is kind of the way that they had their personas built out. But you know, three months into the pandemic, they saw that their, that their millennial personas were beginning to act like boomers because people were suddenly, you know, people were using their credit cards for everything because you were buying everything online. And it was like, did, did the millennial suddenly age 40 years in two months? No. But as we said at the top of this, the world changed. Digital behavior changed. All of this stuff changed, and they were, you know, they were saying, "Gosh, we need to figure out how to, 
you know, we want to help change millennials' relationship to, you know, credit and debt and risk and things like that. Um, and talking to them and saying, there's probably some threads in there. And if you looked at trying to unify the behaviors rather than siloing, you know, millennials over here and boomers over here, but instead think about what these, these threads of like risk, uh, risk aversion, comfort with debt. Do I use my, do I use my credit card for uh, experiential purchases or staple, staple goods? Uh, they're actually kind of the same. It's the same people. It's just, the influences in the world are different because of COVID. And so that was, that was a bit of an eye-opening thing for them to see that there were these commonalities, but, you know, the plots on the spectrum had moved because of COVID. Right, right. That's really dope. I never thought about this, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Uh, if I... <clears throat> this is a reminder that this episode is sponsored by MedPal, who's kindly giving us $100 of promo code for the Health Design Conference this year. Their Health Design Experience Conference provides us with a unique crossroads for a diverse community of executives and practitioners in design, innovation, research, strategy, and technology to help accelerate the transformation of the American health system. They have several hands-on workshops focusing on the jobs to be done, methodology, behavior change design techniques, and tips on how to build a practice of inclusive design Additionally, they have over 60 speakers within nine different tracks covering all of the areas of health experience design. This year's HXD attendees will leave equipped with design tools, techniques, and best practices that you can put into practice. You will be introduced to success stories across the industry, and you will bolster their, your own personal toolkit. To learn more, visit hxdconf.com, and if you're interested in attending, use the promo code UsersFirstPodcast for $100 off. You can find the promo code and the link to the conference on the episode description. Personally, I really suggest that you attend this conference, but uh, get your company to pay for it. Now, back to the episode. So let's say um, if, I was, um, if I was someone that, that, wanted to, um, that wanted to make these, you know, these personas, uh, one, personas um, one persona for, for the customer right now in the present and one persona for the customer uh, the potential customer in 20 years from now. Um, and we, we go into the, the, the product design of things, you know, like uh, the, the, the wireframing, the, the, the research and so on. How, how would that affect the actual making of the product, knowing that the customer will be different in 20 years from now? So that's, that's a great question. So the thing that you need to do with this approach, you know, the, the opposite of we create our personas and we check the box, and call it done, and these are our personas. So the other end of the spectrum, which is the more agile approach, is that you, you make these in almost a disposable format. Um, mm. If you're looking to make an update to your mobile app, create some personas based on that update. If you're looking to rethink your service design approach to the way you create your customer experience for a, a particular aspect of it, create personas for that piece. You know, these are not meant to be long shelf life. Um, you know, the threads may change. Um, some may be more important during different, you know, phases, different timeframes, right? Um, what was important yesterday isn't as important today. What was a need yesterday is more of a want today. Hmm. So think more episodic about it. So the key is, you know, focus on a particular endeavor. Think about we're launching a new mobile app or we're updating our mobile app or we are uh, 
we're looking to improve the experience for people in our um, in our bank lobby. You know, whatever it is, is to try to really focus it on particular pieces that allows you to really target. So, given that, what are the goals? What are we trying to achieve with this update to our mobile app, or you know, what are we trying to achieve with this new digital product? What's the driver behind that need? Like, what's what's causing you, the brand, to say that? Um, we need to work towards this goal. And then from the ground up, bring the people into it. So the people that are a part of this, the people that are going to be, that we want to be using this app, this product, what have you, what are they looking to achieve? What problems are they looking to solve? Um, uh, you know, and there ought to be overlap, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, the goals that you're trying sure. to achieve and the things that, you, that you're projecting or the research hopefully shows you that the people want to achieve, there better be overlap. Otherwise, you know, scrap the project and figure out a better place to invest your time and energy. Um, <laughs> what are the trigger events that are causing people to, uh, to engage in this? So like, you know, uh, you know, someone's buying a new car, right? Is the trigger event that they need a second car? Is the trigger event that their car broke down and, and is not worth investing in anymore? Um, is the trigger event that gas prices are too, too high and they want to go more hybrid or electric? Those are different, right? And, and if you're thinking about marketing or copy or content or how you might position this product, those things matter. So. The business objectives, the objectives of the people in this scenario, and then the, 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 the triggers that are caused that would potentially cause people or motivate people to participate in the thing that you're trying to create or improve. So that sort of gives you a strategic foundation. It gives you kind of a, a it starts you in a position of empathy because you're thinking about Yes, you're leading with your business goals, but within the context of your goals, you're thinking about where people are coming from, meeting people where they're coming from. Um, and, you know, it, that's the part that really takes, takes research. So if you can get, start with making sure you don't have some super macro business goal, make sure you have like a, a kind of finite, like a, a really tangible business goal that's measurable. Um, what's the role of the people in this story, as it were? What's motivating them to potentially adopt your app or use the new feature that you're looking to roll out? If you can lay that groundwork and do some research against that, essentially that lays that that's, that tees you up for you know the beautiful messy part of brainstorming. You know what those threads are. Uh, we recently did something with a with a fashion brand and uh, you know, the way that people are shopping has changed incredibly with, with COVID um, you know, you're scrolling on Instagram and you know, two minutes later, you've got a pair of all birds, you know, showing up on your doorstep. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> did you know that you were shopping? No, you were just scrolling on Instagram and suddenly you're buying shoes. So all this stuff changed. And we were talking with this, you know, global fashion brand and some of the threads that we came up with were, uh, you know, ad hoc versus episodic. Like, 
you know, when we were in school, okay, it's September, it's time to go buy my new pair of jeans and my new sweaters versus someone who sees something cool online and they're like, I have to have that and they buy it, right? So those are maybe two ends of the spectrum. Um, you know, uh, conservative versus fashion forward, um, following trends versus being out on the front and trying to be someone that creates trends. Uh, you know, these are all sort of threads that, that you can, um, you know, planning. I, I like to plan ahead to shop or I am more impulsive. Um, mm. I care about fashion brands that lead with their environmental footprint message, you know, carbon reduction, reusable fabrics, or I don't care so much. These are all these threads that, you know, you could posit there are people that exist at different combinations in the spectrum. Right. Um, if, well, if, I, if I was interested, um, if I was interested in one of those threads, like how can you be ahead of the curve? So you might uh, expect some customers' behaviors. Well, that's where the research happens, right? Um, you know, you need, to, you need to understand consumer behavior. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're trying to do this on a shoestring, um, there's obviously a lot of secondary research out there. You can get access to consumer trends. You can see that there are, there's data out there about how, about the convergence of entertainment and shopping, you know, my Instagram little uh, anecdote there. So there's data out there. It, that data can maybe give you, uh, can give you a good start and you might pause it. Maybe these are some threads, but that's the hmm. agile nature of it is like, you know, if we're going to test, uh, you know, let's say we want to improve conversions on our e-commerce site for sneakers or whatever, whatever it happens to be. Um, and we have intelligence showing us that people are shopping in a more ad hoc, uh, you know, entertainment. They're not really planning to shop. They're just sort of like reacting to things that they see online because, you know, we've all been trapped in our houses for two years and we're looking for gratification. Uh, maybe that's going to affect how we might approach our social media campaigns and how we might uh, address or how we might go to market with landing mm -hmm. pages or conversion pages or our product pages. Um, and the agile aspect of this would be, you know, do some research, come up with a theory, test it, see if it works. Uh, and, you know, that's the whole thing. Again, it's not, it's a, it's a process, not an event. So this whole idea of you know, what are these influencers? What are these drivers? What are the ends of the spectrum? Like, what if, you know, what would happen if we really leaned into our environmental message because people want to buy sneakers that are, you know, made from reusable material and have a low carbon footprint? Like, should we lead with that? Let's try leading with that over here and not over here. Let's A-B test it. Let's do some controlled studies and see how, things, how these things play out. Maybe our goal was around, you know, e-commerce e conversions to go back to the beginning. Maybe we're looking to move the needle. Um, does this move the needle or do we, go, do we need to market to people on the, more on the other side of the spectrum? So it essentially gives you a way to kind of game things out and really get in, use personas as a way to have a dialogue with people and not be so darn rigid about it. Absolutely fantastic, Brendan. So if I was someone that, that right now was interested in... Uh, in, uh, in trying out these dynamic personas, I will have to think more about how the customer is actually affected by, by the current threads, 
um by by uh by by the by the product um i would have to collaborate more with other people to make these personas <clears throat> sorry i'm losing my voice <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um i would have to also think about not only the people's objectives also the uh, the business objectives the roles of the people the motivations the potential scenarios behind and the trigger events like you mentioned about about the people like the other uh i think the example of the car of what happens you know if the car breaks or or and and, and so on and research to to validate also your thoughts so once you you're kind of um you're kind of thinking of the potential trigger events it's time to validate those thoughts and maybe go online and do some uh, some research yourself or find secondary research where you can validate everything that um that uh, you were brainstorming so far yeah um and build a possession yeah, of be empathy precise. yeah that's right be precise with your goals and from there immediately try to get to a place of empathy like you know what problems are are these people trying to solve and what's what's triggering them and that, in that car example like how different of a not to make this all about marketing but you know how different would a a marketing campaign be or you know a, a some content on a mobile app or or what have you for people that are looking to replace a broken down car pivot to a more eco-friendly electric car buy a second car because they've moved to the suburbs and need two cars now buy one for their kid right these are all very different scenarios um, there you go yeah and the, the the persona that says you know this person needs a car uh you know doesn't quite get there um so starting with goals thinking about the people and then using research and allowing yourself to game out what some of these threads are and experiment moving people back and forth on some of these spectrum and maybe seeing 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 where you move the needle in terms of that goal in the first place i absolutely love it i i love this whole uh, critical thinking of things um i read a book recently called lateral thinking and basically what the book is all about is thinking uh, more than what you see and, and f- trying to think outside of the box and, and this yeah. is basically w- w- what we're trying to do is understanding the needs of the customers and and moving laterally from it trying to uh, come up with more scenarios with more ideas so that it leads to to more uh, product opportunities I guess and I absolutely right. love what you're doing Brandon it's completely innovative and I think MedPow is very lucky to have you oh well, I'm happy to be there and it's been a pleasure talking to you today Cheers. Uh, you know, look, everything that you said, it's some really solid advice. Is there anything that you feel that, um, that, that you would like to add to the episode? I guess what I just said before about, uh, you know, if you're working internally uh, in an organization, you know, if you're working internally for a B2B brand or a B2C brand, is that, you know, being, being in a UX role, I think is your, it's incumbent upon you to, uh, to try to ask questions and, and push the status quo. I think people that do that do UX work and designers in general, you know, have a superpower to to do good and affect positive change. So uh, I would hope that people, you know, anyone that's getting into this business that's listening to this would would take that to heart and uh, you know try to make inroads across your organization, make friends with the IT group, <laughs> make make friends with the product owners, the different business unit owners. And uh, you know, see yourself as as an integral part of the entire organization and and push for change. 
Yeah, I absolutely love that. So ask questions and push for the status quo and really uh, advocate for user experience. Don't, don't <clears throat> um, collaborate, collaborate with other people. Uh, make sure you, you, stand your, you stand your ground in the company where you're working at right now. Yeah. And again, guys, um, that was Brandon Comstock, director, uh, director of experience strategy and service design at MedPal. And you know, thanks again for being <clears throat> for uh, for being on the show, uh, Brandon. This was this was exciting. Uh, we had a hell of a chat, and uh, I got to learn definitely a lot of things from this chat. So thank you again, my friend. My pleasure. It was a blast. Thanks. Cheers. And if you enjoyed this episode and learned something useful from it, and want to help you know the enrich enriching a larger community, you can subscribe to the show on the Apple Podcast on Spotify. You can leave a review. And you can even join our free Discord server where I post quizzes, book recommendations, and portfolio reviews, and, and much more. And if you're interested in mentorships and you're serious about landing a UX role and you want to help me out even farther, you can go uh, check my mentorships, my mentorships out from my website, usersfirstpodcast.com. Thanks again for listening to Users First and never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. And see you. Bye.